0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Beat My Guest. I'm your host, AJ Mass. If you're new to the show, each week I invite a guest to sit in the hot seat and field questions in a wide variety of topics, earning points for the episode on a scale of 1 to 100. For those of you playing along at home, you have but one task set before you, and that is to see if you can Beat My Guest. But before you can beat my guest, you need to meet my guest. So let's give a warm welcome to today's guest, Adam Wendell. Adam, how are you, sir? I'm just fine. How are you? Doing okay, sir. Uh, welcome to the hot seat. Uh, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, maybe a fun fact or two, uh, or, you know, basically uh, anything you want to tell the uh, wonderful listeners about how you came to be here in the hot seat today.
1: Sure. I am an attorney. I work for the federal government here outside Washington, D.C. Before that, I was in New Jersey for almost 18 years, I guess, uh, between law school and just working up there for a while. I am a trivia enthusiast. I do pub trivia. I do Learned League. I do all the things that all the trivia people do. We have a mutual friend, which is how I ended up here, I think. And otherwise, I'm just happy to be here
0: excellent oh, whereabouts in jersey what exit on the turnpike as it were <laughs> 153b on the garden state parkway well excellent so let me fill you in uh since uh, this is your first time in the hot seat and perhaps let anyone listening who's listening for the first time uh with the rules of the game and if you're listening for the first time where have you been uh there are going to be four rounds of four questions apiece. you need each round i'll let you know the categories in order that i'll be using for this round Before I read each question, Adam, you'll get to lock in how many points you wish each question to be worth. Get it right. You get the points. It is just that simple. And there's also going to be a halftime bonus worth 10 points. At the end of the game, you'll field what we call the confidence question, which will be your last chance to try and improve your final score. But I will explain all of that when we get there. We cannot get there until we uh, merge onto the uh, highway, uh, going 65 miles per hour, headed north, uh, wearing sunglasses or something like that. Adam, are you ready to go?
1: As ready as I'm going to
0: be. Excellent. In round one. As always, as usual, the point values available to you will be one, three, five, and seven. Here are the categories we're gonna be using tonight. We're gonna to kick things off with science. Science. Follow up with what comes next. Move along to who done it. And we are gonna wrap up round one with music. So science is up first. One, three, five, or seven.
1: Uh, let's start off with one science I not always one of my best categories. you will you will learn that I very much uh, have a wheelhouse and I'm very good within that wheelhouse and I'm very not good outside of it so
0: <laughs> yeah it's a story i've heard uh so many times before uh not to crib from Rune five there which is what i was doing uh but uh <laughs> that's all right and yes i've also steered into the skid folks so when when i give the science category we're, we're just doing like they do on trivial warfare it, it, it you just can't fight it anymore we're screaming science too that one's for you jonathan uh what type of simple machine allowed for the proof of concept Of a toy created by Richard James in the year 1945. All right.
1: Simple machines. There's a lever and there's some other ones (laughs) that I don't remember the name of. 1945. Feels like this wants to be the hula hoop. It's not a frisbee. A hula hoop's not a lever. I'm going to go with lever because it's the only simple machine I can think of.
0: Well, that certainly will uh, narrow your choices down. <laughs> Sometimes our memories and our brains narrow the choices down for us. Uh, a Lover is indeed a simple machine. Uh, unfortunately, not the simple machine we are looking for. Uh, so Richard James was a guy who uh, was in the Navy, and he thought, hey, I'm on these boats, and the, the boats are a uh, rock in through the waves, and the instruments get bashed around a bit. Why don't I take these, uh, these bouncy coils I've uh, created and try and sell them to the Navy? Uh, and the Navy said, uh, no, we, we want nothing to do with this. And his wife uh, said to him, uh, why don't you just sell it as a toy? It walks downstairs, a loader in Paris. Yeah. It makes a slinkity sound. So in order to prove that a slinky would actually work, he used the simple machine called an inclined plane to give it yes. the necessary angle to do its stuff. Inclined plane is what we were looking for. Yes, I have heard of that. All right. Well, we did not get that one, but uh, hopefully, like the Slinky itself, uh, we will still be able to build momentum, and you can keep moving forward going down the line here. Uh, What comes next? Well, what comes next comes next. I must ask you, what comes next for you, the three, the five, or the seven?
1: As I've been listening lately, I've not been very good at the what comes next, so let's go with three. I think we're going to be just going up the ladder here in this round.
0: Hey, at whatever works, uh, any port in a storm, just don't put your slinkies on the boat in the port in the storm because the Navy doesn't want it. Here is your three point what comes next question Memphis, 2010. Billy, 2009. In, 2008. What, 2007? Is in IN or INN? In is the preposition. Okay.
1: Well, when I heard Memphis, I was hoping it would be college basketball related, but uh, that does not look like what we've got here. These are probably the first words of songs, of movies. They could be the last words. Hmm. I've got nothing here. I can't even make the connection. So my son Max was born in 2007, so I'm going to go with Max.
0: Uh, Wouldn't that be a a great way to get the answer right?
1: (laughs) It would be fantastic. Uh,
0: Well, you are uh, correct in that these are first words of something. So, well done in at least sussing that out. Uh, In 2010, the Tony Award for Best Musical was given to a show called Memphis. 2009, went to Billy Elliot. Uh, In 2008, care to guess? In... Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, in the Heights, yeah. In the Heights, yep. And in 2007, uh, we were looking for the first word from the musical that won the Tony Award for Best Musical in 2007. Uh, We just came from a slinky and coils. This was spring for Spring Awakening. Awakening. Spring is the answer we were looking for there. Oh, well, yeah, I did not get that connection at all. There you go. Sometimes I'm too clever by half. <laughs> you did not get what comes next, but uh, another question comes next, and still plenty of points on the board. You still have the five and the seven left in this round. Who done it is up next. What would you like to wager on? Who done it? Let's go with five. Had a feeling. Had a feeling. Baby steps. Baby steps. Uh, here is your five point. Who done it? Question. Good luck. And here we go. This professor of neurology at NYU, known more famously as the poet laureate of medicine has written books about visual agnosia and the use of L-Dopa. Who done it? L-Dopa. That
1: was the drug that was used in the movie Awakenings, and the last one was Spring Awakenings. What was his name? Played by Robin Williams in the movie, and his name is Sax. I think it's Oliver Sax, but I'm going to go just with Sax.
0: Okay, Sax is your answer. Uh, well, I guess it depends on what your definition of sex is. <laughs> Kill me. Uh, so, uh, yes, you are correct. You got the link perfectly there. Spring Awakening leads to the movie Awakenings. Uh, he uh, That was the uh, book that was adapted to a movie about the use of L-Dopa in patients. Uh, he had Also, written a book about visual agnosia called uh, The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat is a famous doctor. Yeah, I've heard of it too, though I've never read it. No. Uh, Me neither. I always conflate that with uh, The Man Who Loved Cat Dancing for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Hat, cat. uh, In French, chat, chapeau. Uh, Anyway, uh, this is indeed a doctor. His first name is indeed Oliver, and his last name. Four or five points is Sacks, Dr. Oliver Sacks. well done. Five points for you. You are on the board. I am on the board. Nicely done. Nicely done. Excellently reasoned out there as well. All right. All right. Music is up next. There is only a seven pointer available to you. So that's what I'm going to give you. Hopefully we can definitely keep this momentum going down the incline plane, picking up speed, accelerating and jerking and all that good stuff. Baby, this town rips the bones from your back. It's a death trap. It's a suicide rap. These lyrics were responsible for the New Jersey State Senate to avoid voting on a resolution officially declaring this as the state anthem in what year? So the song is Born to Run, and I do remember this.
1: I'm fairly certain, as we mentioned before, I did live in New Jersey for a while. I'm Fairly certain that Christy Whitman was governor when this came up. Which means it's sometime between 1995 and 2000. I'm just going to have to pick a year, though, because I can't remember. And unfortunately, this is not Wiggle Room, so I assume that I have to get the year on the nose. Indeed. Uh, Let's go with
0: 1996. 1996 is your answer Uh, unfortunately i believe you are a little bit late on this the uh album itself born to run was released in 1975 you do have the song correct comedians have been making fun of this song uh as uh, the potentiality for being the new jersey state anthem for years and years and years uh unfortunately uh not In the 90s, this was actually proposed by the State Assembly in June of 1980.
1: Oh, wow. So that means the answer is Brendan Byrne.
0: (laughs) She's going to make me do that. It's not Tom Kane. Uh, New Jersey and you, perfect together. No, Tom Uh, Kane was 81. Yeah, uh, the uh, State Assembly passed it. And uh, the uh, state Senate decided to just filibuster and not even vote on it because uh, someone played the words for them. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) They did not know this lyric was in there. They were all about to vote for it. And they said, oh, we're talking about death and suicide. No, no, let's just not vote. (laughs) And it never came to the floor.
1: I remember the whole thing. I remembered that it came up. I thought it could come up more than once, maybe. And I just I just that's just a misremember on my part. Oh, well
0: yeah I, they also uh, in that same bill were, were going to name Bruce Springsteen as the official uh, rock ambassador of the state of New Jersey, and uh, that did not pass as well. I do think perhaps that they when they reprised that one, I think perhaps in the 90s uh, and just named him as uh, some sort of uh, you know Bruce Springsteen Day or something like that. Uh, Maybe. but uh, they left born to Run behind. Uh, let's get out of this round while we're young, shall we? I
1: think so. I got the five, so you know, that's not too bad.
0: Exactly. Five points out of 16. Not shabby at all. We are going to move along to round two. Point values are going to increase to two, four, six, and eight. Who do we appreciate? We appreciate you, Adam, for hanging in there. Here are the categories we're going to be using in round two. We're going to kick things off with literature, followed off with analogies, moving right along to history. And we are going to wrap up the first half in round two with pop goes the blank literature up first, two, four, six, or eight.
1: Uh, Let's go with two. Literature is not one of my best categories unless it falls into a very very narrow
0: band. So I'm gonna let's go small on this one. Good luck. And here's your two point literature question. 12 year old Claudia Kincaid runs away from home and hides out at the Met in what award winning book from 1968? That does not
1: ring a bell. This strikes me though, as it could be something by E.B. White, maybe seems to be the kind of thing that he would write about but that doesn't help me with a title because it's not Charlotte's Web. And I'm pretty sure it's not Stuart Little. It's not Night at the Museum. I'm pretty sure that was not a book before it was the movie. It's not A Night at the Met. That's a Robin Williams comedy special. What did we have and yet he was for? also
0: a Night at the Museum. Go figure.
1: <laughs> That's true, actually. There you go. That's unfortunately a not connection. I was going to go back and think is there a connection to the previous round. But if there is, it's not going to help me. I'm just going to go with Runaway. Maybe there's a connection to Born to Run. Fair enough. Uh,
0: runaway is your answer. Well, I did mention that she runs away in the clue. So uh, that was your basic, your, your yeah. tie in there. 12-year-old, whenever you get a 12-year-old protagonist, it's probably going to be a kid's book. It's a, it's a good uh, guess there. Uh, this is indeed the Newbery Medal winner from 1968. Uh, it is a book that was penned by an author named E.L. Konigsberg. Oh, I know that name and it is from the mixed-up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler.
1: I've heard of that. I don't think I ever read it as, as a kid, but I have heard of that, and I don't think my kids have that either.
0: Get it? I did not read it, but I certainly have heard the title. It's one of those really long kids' book titles that, if it does come up in trivia, I will never remember it in the right order. So <laughs>
1: There you go. Yeah, it, it rings a bell, but not enough of one. So,
0: moving yeah, on. certainly not enough to get
1: to the two points. <laughs>
0: But that's okay. We uh, onward and upward and ever, ever onward. Analogies is up next. We have four. We have six. We have eight. What say ye? I
1: think that I? So far, I'm going to be going in order in these rounds. I'm going to go with four
0: analogies. Hey, you know, put one foot in front of the other. Soon you'll be walking across the floor. <laughs> it's uh, it's almost so. Christmas season, so you know. Hey, let's sing songs from uh, really bad claymation type uh, stop action. <sighs> Rankin bass <best> nonsense. <laughs> Indeed. All right, here is your 4 pointed analogies question. Kaliningrad is to Russia, as Malia is to what? And that is spelled M-E-L-I-L-L-A, pronounced Malia. Malia.
1: Spelled that way, it is a Spanish word. Kaliningrad is definitely a city in Russia. So that means I need to figure out where Malia is. I don't think it's in Spain. I've been to Spain. I've looked at maps of Spain by be- from being there, and I don't think it's there. So let's go to Latin America, and I'm just going to have to pick a country because I don't know where it is. Unless, is Kaliningrad not in Russia, but in a former Russian republic, and this is a city in somewhere that's seceded from another country Uh, even with Spanish names that's not going to help me so let's just pick a Spanish-speaking country and go with Venezuela.
0: Oh, Venezuela uh not too many people go with Venezuela, certainly uh, FIFA doesn't because they never make the World Cup, despite there only being nine countries <laughs> in South America to compete for the six spots every year
1: <laughs> yeah that most of them do make it. I was thinking of Venezuela because I was listening to one of your previous episodes, and there was something about cheese and Venezuelan beaver cheese came in, so that's uh that's how I got there
0: indeed, from the fine cheese shops, get Monty Python. Here's the thing about Kaliningrad. Its original name was Konigsberg, which kind of is where I got this uh, question from, spinning off from Konigsberg from the previous clue, the author. There you go. Yeah. I did not know Uh, that. Yeah. It used to be called Konigsberg. It is now Kaliningrad. It is part of Russia, but it is also not part of Russia. It is on that little thing called an exclave, which is part of a country that isn't necessarily connected to the country itself. That part with like
1: after Lithuania there on the map? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it is between Belarus and Poland in that little uh, little extra part that doesn't really connect with the rest of Russia. That is called an exclave. So similarly, Malia is part of one country, but it is not part of that country at the same time. Uh, It is, along with its counterpart, Sayute, connected to Morocco. Oh. And yet, it is part of Spain.
1: It's the part on the other side of Gibraltar. I, I, yeah. I dismissed Spain. Oh, well.
0: Indeed. There are two. There are those two little areas that are that Morocco says they're ours, and Spain says, no, no, they're really not. And they've argued over it for years. But uh, as of this recording, certainly, uh, Spain still has uh, autonomy over these areas. So Spain was the answer. Uh, but you know, you, you, the fact that you were like Russia, but it could, maybe not Russia. I thought you might be going there. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I
1: know of that just from look, that little exclave just from looking at maps, but it did not even pop into my head. Oh, well.
0: And to tie it all back to soccer, I do believe Kaliningrad was one of the host cities from the uh, World Cup that just uh, concluded that took place in Russia. So uh, uh, I, think, I they- think that's
1: right, which is why it wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have thought it was separated like that, but oh, well. You learn something new every day. Yeah, exactly.
0: Exclaves. They're fun. Exciting. Uh, (laughs) We're going to move along to history here. Uh, Once again, the two highest point values are still left, six and eight. I I know what traditionally you would do here based on past history, but you tell me, six or eight? Uh, Based on
1: past history, I will go with history for six.
0: Okay, let yeah, don't, why ruin a good thing that hasn't really been all that good so far? But yeah. hey, you never know. Here's your <laughs> six points on history. Good luck. After surviving a coup attempt in 1971, what king of Morocco ended up ruling his country for a total of 38 years before dying of natural causes in 1999? This means I have to know the name of a king of Morocco. That would help. I feel like this is
1: one when, when you tell me, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, I do remember that. It's not King Hussein. He was longtime King of Jordan. Could it be something similar like Hassan. And I don't know if the King of Morocco wears a fez instead of a crown, but, um, could be Hassan. Or is that King Hussein's son? And that's why I'm thinking Hassan. It's not Abdullah. That's Another Middle Eastern country. All right, I'm
0: going to go with King Hassan. not confident, but I'll go with King Hassan. King Hassan is your answer. You know, he was only king for most of your life. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, Shows how little we uh, in America learn about uh, foreign countries and their history. Uh, So this king was very authoritarian early on in his regime. Uh, Hence, uh, uh, many assassination attempts in like a two, three year span there. Uh, but uh, by the 1980s, he actually became a little bit more peace-driven. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get into the details of his politics because honestly, I don't know. But I do know that he was, uh, you know, involved in making Morocco a little bit more uh, Westernized, somewhat, and uh, in support of uh, peace in the Middle East and recognizing the state of Israel and all that good stuff. This was a king by the name of. King Hassan II. I did not ask wow. for a rental number. You get the six points. Well I, done, sir. Thank you. That's
1: excellent. I had a vague recollection that that was a king in the Middle East, but I got lucky there.
0: Hey, it helps to be lucky Uh, more so than good in some circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Trivia being one of those circumstances. Six points. Well done. We are going to keep on moving here. Don't stop. Keep on moving. Don't stop. Hey. Eight points is what is left. It is Pop Goes the Blank. I am going to read you a pop culture question with a blank for you to fill in. If you fill it in with the right answer, eight points is headed your way. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. Let's go. In the cartoon, Ali Baba Bunny, which is far more offensive 60 years after its original release, let me tell you. Uh, Bugs Bunny ends up in a cave lamenting, I just bet we should have made a left turn. At blank. Okay.
1: Well, I, this question did not go where I thought it was going. Alibaba Bunny did not sound like something I was familiar with, but I do know that Bugs Bunny often laments that he should have made a left turn at Albuquerque. The question then becomes is this that, or is this something that is Middle Eastern that sounds like Albuquerque? Or is this a is is this a curveball? Is this some sort of uh, red herring? But I don't have anything better, so
0: I'm gonna go with Albuquerque. Gonna go with Albuquerque. You don't know me very well, do ye? Um, don't I, worry, sir. Don't worry. Nothing to worry at all. Bugs and Daffy are headed to Pismo Beach. They end up somehow in a cave with a, a bodyguard who is uh, by the name of Hassan, who has the uh, very famous Hassan chop. It's pretty much his only line. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's offensive. Uh, but, so many uh, things from that era are. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, also, where we're, uh, Daffy goes, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's all mine, it's mine, it's, mine, it's all mine. Uh, he should have made a right turn at La Jolla, as he says. Not La Jolla, but he says La Jolla. And he just bet he should have made the left turn at Albuquerque. Eight points All for you. Right. Well done.
1: All right. I'm very glad that I didn't talk myself out of that. I was worried there. I was worried. <laughs> I was too.
0: Well, excellent. Round uh, 14 points out of a possible 20 in round two. We're going to add that to the five points you had at the end of round one, which means as we headed to halftime, 19 points. More than respectable. Well done for you. Here is how halftime is going to work. It is our only partial credit question of the game. I'm going to ask you a question. And then I'm going to give you a little bit of time to think about your answers to that question. While we listen to a word from our non-existent sponsors. Uh, Once we return from that break, uh, hopefully you'll be able to give me the correct answers to the following question. Mel Blanc voiced a whole hootenanny of Looney Tunes characters over the years, including... Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, and Hassan from that previous cartoon. He was a one-man wrecking crew, let me tell you. However, he did not always work alone. A woman by the name of June Foray voiced 13 different Looney Tunes characters, perhaps not exclusively over the years, but 13 characters were voiced by June Foray for two points each. I would like for you to name for me any five of those characters. I'll give you a little bit of time to think about your answer to that question, and we will be back after the break. Are you beating my guest, Or is my guest beating you? Tell us all about it on Twitter or Gmail at BMGPod. If you like what you're hearing, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you'd like to support Beat My Guest, helping to make more episodes like this possible, please consider becoming a patron at patrons.podbean.com slash BeatMyGuest. And now, back to me for the second half of this week's episode. And welcome back to Beat My Guest. My guest this week is Adam Wendell. When we last left Adam, he was sitting on ninth. 13 beautiful points working on the following halftime question. Mel Blanc voiced a whole hootenanny of Looney Tunes characters over the years, including Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, and Hassan. However, he did not always work alone. June Foray voiced 13 different Looney Tunes characters of her own, although not always exclusively. For two points each, I have asked Adam to name for me any five of these Foray characters. What have you got for me, sir?
1: Okay, so I actually have heard of June Foray. I... Watched the documentary, I think it's called I Know That Voice, uh, or something like that, uh, which is uh, interviews with a bunch of different voice actors and actresses, and she was still alive at the time that was made, I'm not sure if she still is, and she was interviewed for that. Unfortunately, I don't remember from that any of the specific voices she did. I'm going to lean toward female Looney Tunes characters, and we're definitely going to go with Petunia Pig, that's one. Bugs Bunny had a girlfriend, and sometimes, and I think her name was Bianca. I'm not sure about that, but I'm going to go with Bianca, or Bianca Bunny, if that is uh, necessary. I think the old lady in the Tweety and Sylvester cartoons, I think she was just called Granny. So I'm going to go with Granny, and this is where I start to run out of steam. So I'm going to go with Tweety Bird, even though I, something tells me that that might've still been Mel Blanc, but it's high pitched enough that it could have been a female uh, voice actress. So we'll go with Tweety Bird. And lastly, I'm just going to go with Roadrunner in the hope that maybe she was the one saying meet meep.
0: (laughs) Very good. Okay. Those are your five answers to this question. So yeah. Uh, June Foray was quite prolific and uh, definitely, uh, you know, with Mel Blanc uh, working alone all those years, uh, you really didn't need her uh, to do uh, any of the male voices, but uh, certainly female voices was her forte, as it were. The Foray forte. She voiced the following thirteen characters. Um, first of all, there was a Honeymooners parody that uh, Looney Tunes did, and she did the voices of both Alice Crumden. And Trixie Morton, they were mice who... Uh, I do not were, remember that one. Yeah, and there was also a, a some sort of uh, Ralph and Ed uh, kind of uh, hybrid as well. Ralph Crumden and Ed Morton, and they would go off with their mice lunch pails to work, and Alice and Trixie would be behind. Uh, it was just an episode of The Honeymooners with mice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, I mean, they did a, years and years of prehistoric honeymooners, so you, know, you might as well just do what you can.
0: Exactly. Uh, she played a uh, bunch of minor, 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 minor characters, uh, which I don't think you were going to get. They were a lot more obscure. It was a character called Goldie Mouse, which was in a fairy tale episode. Uh, she played a character named Clyde Bunny, which was. Basically, Bugs Bunny's baby son in a few episodes, hmm. a few episodes, a few cartoons. Uh, she also played a uh, bird, but not Tweety Bird. Uh, this was a bird that uh, did pester the heck out of Sylvester the Cat, and its name was Cornbread.
1: Cornbread.
0: Wow. Uh, she also played a, uh, a spinster chicken uh, who was a foil to foghorn leghorn in many cartoons uh, called Miss Prissy.
1: Ah, I was going to guess a chicken. I was only going with Camilla. So uh, (laughs) again,
0: wrong IP. Now this is more like you know, ooh, you're a beautiful man. Can I get you some of the beautiful man there? Now stay away from me, girl. Stay away. Then she played four characters, uh, a group of four characters that were kind of uh, what I call the relationship characters. Um, there was a character named Mrs. Cat. I don't remember which cat she was uh, marrying there. Uh, Mr. It, cat. It might, it might have been Pepe Le Pew's girlfriend. I don't know, but she played Mrs. Cat.
1: Pepe Le Pew's girlfriend. I. I think she was named Fifi or something like Fifi, but I also don't think she spoke.
0: Yeah, well, nevertheless, there's a Mrs. Kent. (laughs) Uh, She also, uh, not anyone who was uh, romantically involved with Bugs Bunny, unfortunately, uh, but she did play Mrs. Daffy Duck, whose name was Mrs. Daffy Duck. (laughs) as you do she also played another pussycat called Penelope Pussycat and she played Porky's girlfriend extraordinaire petunia pig two points for you oh, on that I've one well done
1: got one there you go
0: and then uh three other characters who were in a bunch of uh, a bunch of cartoons uh, reprised uh, usually uh, two of them involving bugs uh, one was uh, her portrayal of little Red Riding Hood. Great, oh, What big eyes you got? And a very uh, fun character who uh, hopped around on a broom and sparred with Bugs Bunny, Witch Hazel. Witch Hazel, yeah. And last, but certainly not least, especially for you because you want some points here. Oh, yes. Tweety Bird's owner, Granny. Granny is her name. Granny is the points for you. Right. Not so shabby. You got two right, which gives you four points. Add it to the 19 you had coming into halftime and... Twenty-three points as we enter the second half. How are you feeling about yourself? I'm hoping pretty darn good.
1: I, I'll take that any day of the week. That's <laughs> Decent, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Excellent,
0: and yeah, still plenty of game left to improve upon that twenty-three. We're going to move along now to round three. The point values they're going to stay the same at two, four, six, and eight. However, the categories, well, they're going to change, and this is what they're going to be a change in. Two kicking things off with around the world. Following that up with movies, and we're going to move along to. Audio hodgepodge, which admittedly is a bit of a lifestyle. And we're going to wrap up round three with television. First things first, though, around the world, two, four, six, or eight. We're not going to go
1: in order this time, I don't think, but I will start with the two.
0: Okay. Time will tell, perhaps, but two is where we're going for around the world. Good luck. Here is your question. Coming in at just shy of 200 miles in length, the longest foot race held outside of the United States is the Dragon's Back race held in what country?
1: Dragon's Back. Hmm. My wife is a big fan of how to train your dragon, which doesn't help me at all, but the room I'm looking around has a lot of dragon items in here. Does me no good. Dragon's Back sounds like it could be the name of a mountain. If that's the case, I would think it would be most likely in Asia, 200 miles Dragons back. What countries in Asia have mountains? Most of them could be a volcano. Dragons breathe fire, although not out of their backs. Let's go with, it's 200 miles, so it's got to be somewhat sizable. Let's just go with China. All
0: right china is your answer uh certainly uh dragon's back uh is an essential part to figuring the answer to this question out here uh and it is not uh westeros or essos for that matter Uh, nothing to do with daenerys
1: targaryen mother of dragons I, i know probably more about the geography of westeros and essos than i do about the geography of uh much of the world so if it was that if it was that i would have gotten it probably
0: (laughs) (laughs) indeed well you're correct that this is held over mountainous terrain it actually is a five-day race uh in which uh time the competitors must complete 200 miles it's not an annual event it's been held sporadically over the years i do believe they're gearing up for another run of this next year and uh are there any flags in that room of uh, yours
1: Oh, is it Nepal because of the 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 jagged shaped flag?
0: It is not. It is a country who has a dragon on their flag and that would be the country of Wales.
1: Oh, wow. I did did not even think about the flag. I do know the Welsh flag. My my wife is of Welsh ancestry, so Ouch. we were we were just watching an episode of the great british baking show where someone made a thing out of the flag with, that was decorated like the welsh flag i'm familiar with that flag but oh well
0: yeah we went to a question about uh, bugs Bunny, who's a rabbit and moved on to welsh rabbit i don't know <laughs> and dragons and
1: whales we've got animals all over the place
0: animals animals everywhere indeed uh, <laughs> let's move along quickly racing along to <laughs> movies You have a four, you have a six, you have an eight. How much will you put on the movies? Let's go with six. Six points for movies. Good luck. And here's your question. Avid runner Thomas Levy is mugged, then abducted, and then tortured in what 1970s film? Don't worry, Adam, it's safe to give me your answer.
1: Don't worry, it's safe. So the last question was about a race. I was thinking this was going to be a question about whales
0: something with whales
1: w h a l e s <laughs> but no so you add no
0: so put that free willie answer away and save I, it for another day
1: I, I was thinking you know it, it, elijah wood or something like that uh but the it's safe makes me think of the is it safe torture scene which is i believe marathon man even though i've never seen it i've heard of it and is it safe is the word that the dentist, and I'm making air quotes here, uh, <laughs> uses. So I think that there's a chance you're looking for Marathon Man, and I don't have anything better, so let's go with that.
0: All right. Marathon Man is your answer. Certainly of uh, all the malign professions out there, dentists, uh, is probably up there on the list of uh, nefarious uh, portrayal on television and in film, uh, I can think of uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Warren
1: uh, Scravello DDS.
0: Yeah. Um, a favorite. Of course, far worse than he is uh, uh, Dr. Zell, played by Laurence Olivier in a 1970s film where poor Dustin Hoffman gets put in the chair. Is it safe? Is it safe? Uh, I don't want to describe anything else. I actually have a dentist appointment tomorrow, so I'm just going to quickly, quickly hope that the Novocaine uh, <laughs> kicks in very soon here but nothing for you to fear in terms of pain six points for you marathon man is the correct answer well done
1: all right that's uh, that that is one of those questions i've never seen the movie but that i know from playing trivia so
0: <laughs> exactly uh, wrong trivia answers beget right trivia answers the next time around <laughs> one would hope One would hope uh, one would hope that this ball can keep on a rolling. Uh, Let us continue. Audio Hodgepodge is up next. You have four and you have eight.
1: These when I listen to the podcast
0: are really hit or miss for me.
1: So I'm going to go with the four. Save the eight for TV.
0: Very fair. Very fair. Uh, Four points for this audio Hodgepodge question. Here's how it's going to work. I am going to ask you the question after I ask the question. I will play a short clip for you. Hopefully, when you're done listening to the clip, you will easily and without hesitation be able to come up with the answer to the question. Here is said question. Who ended up winning the one-on-one race that resulted from this controversial made-for-television athletic event? who the best team is you are going for a little negotiation technicality that's your captain he lodged a protest you and I want to run hundred to see who the fastest. yes is. yes Let's go all right, all right. wow we've had a whole change oh, here just a minute Howard yes. they're gonna have a runoff we insist that we're in it as well
1: <laughs> if they run the race they have to run the whole race not between two people
0: Howard Farrah baby I'm not in charge of the rules committee
1: okay I think This is the famous Battle of the Network Stars. If I'm wrong, then everything that I say is completely nuts. The question is who won the race? I know Gabe Kapler. No, not Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kapler is the baseball player and manager. Gabe Kaplan was involved, as in Welcome Back, Cotter. We've got races and marathon, man, so I don't think there's a clue there. I think that gabe kaplan again still not gabe kapler uh (laughs) won the race i never saw this but i have read various oral histories of it and ridiculousness so i'm going to go with gabe kaplan
0: okay gabe kaplan is your answer uh I will uh, allow you to at least initially rest easy to, to let you know that we are indeed listening to a clip from battle of the network stars there. Howard Cosell was the uh, MC and host, uh, not the rules commission as he pointed out uh, so clearly to the end of the clip. I don't make these decisions here. Farah. go away. So uh, for those of you not familiar with battle of the network stars, I know they, they brought it back in a really silly form recently with Ronda Rousey as one of the captains. It was awful. Uh, okay. But back in the days, When there were only three channels. My day, there were only three channels on the television. Oh, my day, (laughs) CBS, NBC, ABC. That's all there was. And actors who were on shows on those networks tended to stay with those networks for their entire careers. There was a, a definite allegiance and a camaraderie and an identity. And when they put together this event where television stars would compete in stupid track and field events, they took it incredibly seriously. And this incident was a relay race between the three networks. Robert Conrad was kept in the NBC team, and uh, his team left early in the relay race by a few steps. And so they were disqualified, and he was outraged, and... Gabe Kaplan was the captain of the ABC team, and he said, well, you know, they somehow they got together and said, we'll just race one-on-one for it. And Telly Savalas is the other voice you hear in the clip, the uh, captain of CBS, and he wanted to be in on it, even though they finished third by about 63 miles. <laughs> uh, it, I highly recommend going to YouTube and watching the nine-minute-long clip of this. It is fascinating to see uh, how serious that this really was. This was uh, quite the event. And that's why there were so many oral histories of it for uh, Adam to learn that Robert Conrad was the loser of this race. Gabe Kaplan was the victor in this event. Four points for you. Well done, sir. Welcome back. Sometimes age pays.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sometimes. Don't tell my kids, though. They say things like, what was it like way back in the 1900s?
0: Anywho, let us move <laughs> Indeed. On. the following question is worth eight points. It is television. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. John Travolta portrayed one of the four main members of a group of juvenile delinquents called the Sweathogs on a little TV show that you may have heard of. In fact, I know you've heard of it. It's called Welcome Back, Otter. In order to get your eight points, I need for you to name for me any of the other three actors who played one of the main members of of the sweat hogs.
1: I was hoping you were gonna ask for the names of the characters not the actors because those I could have named the other three being Horshack Epstein and uh, Washington
0: I've got to think about this
1: you said name two of the three.
0: Oh no 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 just one okay I am not a cruel and harsh quiz master one of them
1: was on celebrity boxing and it was Horshack and he also was on had a cameo on episode of Ellen, which might've still been back when it was the Ellen DeGeneres show before it was just Ellen, the the ABC sitcom, not the talk show where he was introduced as whatever his name, it was TV's Horshack. <laughs> but that still doesn't help me remember his name. I'm just going to go with Schwartz thinking it was probably something Jewish, but maybe not.
0: Okay. <laughs> Schwartz. Thinking it was something Jewish with uh, Gabe Kaplan on the show, how could it not yeah. be something yeah. Jewish? <laughs> uh, did I ever tell you the story of my aunt Sophie? <laughs> yes, every episode of uh, of that wonderful sitcom. It was an awful sitcom. It was just all we had. Uh, and <laughs> it was. A. Kaplan telling his wife a story about a relative that went nowhere. And then the the laugh track and the applause track kicked in, which led you to believe that people were actually entertained, which they were not.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, again, uh, everything's relative. That's yeah, it, it, what, was what it, we had. It,
0: indeed. Uh, so, uh, absolutely correct in terms of the, the actual character names. John Travolta played Barbarino. Uh, We had Horshack, we had Epstein, we had Freddie Boom Boom. Washington, hi there. Uh, I asked for any of the actors' names. Washington was Lawrence Hilton Jacobs. Uh, And, of course, Epstein was Robert Hedges. Uh, Those of you who have uh, perhaps read my book, Yes, It's Hot in Here, uh, will probably uh, recall that uh, Robert Hedges, one of the few men I have seen naked. Don't ask. Don't ask by the book. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Will do. It,
0: it was not pretty. I have seen a naked Epstein. Pray you never do. Uh, and lastly, uh, Horshack, uh was portrayed by an actor. I, I do not recall if uh, he was on Ellen. Uh, you said Ellen, the Ellen show. Uh, don't forget, it was originally called These Friends of Mine. I was going to go there, but yeah. I can't, I can't resist. Uh, Ron Palillo is his name.
1: not jewish name but that's okay now that you say that yes i do remember that oh
0: well indeed uh if any of you out there said deborah lee scott i mean she was the unofficial fifth member One, what i was looking for there but sure give yourself half credit for that <laughs> she was on the show no points for you on that one uh but you did get 10 points out of the possible 20 in that round uh not too shabby sir uh, we're gonna add the 10 points to the 23 which means you now have Thirty-three points as we head into round four. How are you feeling, sir?
1: I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Looking, trying to see if I can predict what categories are next based on what we've had and what you usually have. But my brain is not uh, that focused on that.
0: Okay. Well, we're what? Uh, let us hope that these answers come out your mouth and don't go up your nose with a rubber hose. As we move on to round four, point values will increase to three, five, seven, and nine. Here are the categories we're going to be using in round four. Kicking things off with sports. Moving along to that happened. Follow that up with mashup. And we are going to wrap up round four and regulation time here with the wiggle room. Sports is up first, however. 35709. Let's go with nine for sports. Here is your nine point sports question. On May 4th, 1975, two baseball players took part in a race held in two separate stadiums approximately 2,400 miles apart. Name either player involved in this race or the reason for the excitement surrounding this entire situation hmm gotta be disappointed that there's a baseball question that i
1: haven't even heard of this 1975 so that's i know lots of players from that era a race 2000 miles apart so that could be chicago and the west coast Milwaukee. 1975 was the end of Hank Aaron's career, but why would he be involved in a race? The end of '76, but hmm. Let's see what did we have in the previous question? It was another round, but Washington. No reason why it would be U. L. Washington or Claudell. It's probably a little early for him. Maybe not. Um. <laughs> you know what? I'm just gonna go with Washington because I. They have no clue on this one.
0: Okay, Washington is your answer. Uh, if if this race had uh, involved U. L. Washington, then uh, certainly the reason for the race would have something to do with toothpicks, because that's pretty much all he was known for—is yep. playing with a toothpick in his mouth. I think you have heard of this. I think you just don't know you've heard of this. Uh, although perhaps you just don't know the details. In May of 1975, baseball was counting down to a very, very important milestone. Being someone was about to score the one millionth run in baseball history. Oh! And uh, sponsorship was uh, heavy for this. Uh, the person, the player who was going to uh, score the millionth run would win uh, a lifetime surprise of Tootsie Rolls. Along with a platinum watch uh, provided by Seiko. And so in San Francisco, batter by the name of Lee May hit a home run and the runner on second base, Bob Watson started running towards home at about the same time. Dave Concepcion hit a home run in Cincinnati and started running around the bases in Cincinnati. Every scoreboard in the country was linked and they all knew that the next run scored was going to be the millionth run and had been counting down since the start of the season. And so Dave Concepcion went in a full sprint around the bases after hitting his home run, while Bob Watson uh, did not run as fast as he probably could have, but uh, went from second base and ran towards home plate and ended up beating Dave Concepcion by uh, what is believed to be about a second and a half. Wow. To be the one millionth run. So the answer we were looking for was either Bob Watson, Dave Concepcion, or the one millionth run in baseball history, a fun fact for you.
1: That is fascinating. And that seems like the kind of thing that I would have known at some point, but I have no remem- remembrance of that.
0: Hmm. I, think well. it's a, I think it's generally, uh, you know, one of the sports trivia questions that gets asked a lot is who scored the millionth run. So I certainly, the Bob Watson part of it, perhaps someone, yeah. might, uh, but as for the rest of it, yeah, it's an interesting history. And, uh, I was unable to uh, do the math, but I do know that uh, a few years back, they did a, uh, a deep dive into this uh, in 2015 and they did say at the time that the two millionth run was estimated to be uh, on the horizon for 2020. So we're not too far away from perhaps seeing a reprise of this, uh, where players might be running around the bases quickly at some yeah. point on a split screen because we have that technology. Right, these yeah. days
1: So of course, yeah, fun. we could do that. We could actually time them, and you know, people could do all sorts it's of gra- graphic it. things. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> sports gambling legal uh, uh yeah so it should be fun so hopefully that that'll come up in the next couple of years uh anyway you didn't get the nine points but i think if uh, you're gonna miss a nine point question and at least at least that was a fun one to, to lose oh, out yeah on. that was really interesting yeah move along to that happened our current event slash strange news question you have a three you have a five you have a seven
1: when i listen i'm really bad at these but wiggle room is Also just a complete (laughs) shot in the dark. So we'll go with five for that happened. All
0: right, five for that happened. Good luck. Here is your question. In a final Jeopardy category, U.S. cities in 2011, IBM's Watson supercomputer incorrectly answered the following clue. Its largest airport was named for a World War II hero. Its second largest for a World War II battle. What incredibly bad answer did our future robot overlord give? Hmm. Do you remember when Watson uh, took on Ken Jennings? Uh, Oh, yes, uh,
1: I I, I do remember that. I don't remember this question. And it was U.S. cities, right? That was the final Jeopardy category, yes. Mm -hmm. Cities that have multiple airports. Trying to think of what the correct answer could be before I then try to move on to what the bad answer would be. All right. I'm going to say that Watson said New York somehow thinking that LaGuardia was the name of a battle because Kennedy's obviously was a World War II hero, even even though that's not what he's most named for. So I'll say New York City.
0: New York City is your answer. Uh, So the uh, correct answer to this question, the second largest airport being named for a World War II battle, that would be the Battle of Midway. Oh, uh, the largest right. airport name for a World War II hero would be O'Hare. O'Hare. I did not Chicago. know who he
1: was, but that's okay.
0: For uh, reasons that the programmers uh, of Watson had to hamina, am going hamina about uh, after the fact, Watson put, what is Toronto? <laughs> Which is a pretty bad answer for a category called U.S. cities. Uh, computers should not make those those mistakes.
1: Yes, indeed, and I'm sure many Canadians were... Very uh, upset, but really just apologized because that's what they do.
0: Indeed, yeah, I think they they said, "Well, yeah, you know, U.S. cities was a category, It wasn't in the question, and blah, 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 excuses, excuses, excuses." Uh, Watson still did pretty well, so yeah, <laughs> not indeed. complaining there. Indeed, all right, two questions left. Mashup is next. You have a three-pointer. You have a seven-pointer. What say ye for mashup? Oh, let's
1: go with seven. got to save the lowest point value for wiggle room. Yeah, I
0: kind of telegraphed that better than Samuel Morse ever could Uh, (laughs) mash up his next. Here is your seven-point mashup question. Brian and Tyler have cruised to success, not only by singing, but also by prepping ingredients and assembling dishes in the back of house. Brian and Tyler assembling dishes in the back of house.
1: Who are Brian and Tyler back of house food in the back of house that sounds like some kind of maybe cooking show or one of these uh, Gordon Ramsay type shows where he's yelling at people to get the food out and doing horrible things. Um, that's Hell's Kitchen is one of those, but that doesn't Brian and Tyler. That's probably a band. I'm not getting either half. If I yeah, if you can get to <laughs> one half, sometimes you can get to the other. Absolutely. <laughs> um, just gonna go with Hell's Bell's Kitchen because I can't think of anything else.
0: <laughs> Hell's Bell's Kitchen, I like it. Uh, if you're gonna take a stab in the dark, that's a pretty good one there. Uh, not the right answer by any stretch of the I imagination. I do not think so. I know you didn't, but uh, no, I I, I like uh, where you went there. Uh, you know, like you said, it would very much help you to know uh, who Brian and Tyler were. Perhaps knowing that it's Brian Kelly and Tyler Hubbard would help. Maybe not. Nah. If you knew that the song Cruz is a big hit for this uh, duo, a country music duo. Oh, there you they are. are. They're really called happened. Florida Georgia Line. I have heard of them. So, the answer that I am looking for here, if these bandmates were to go back of house and prep the food, they would be Florida Georgia line cooks.
1: Yep, yeah, there was no way I was getting the Florida Georgia line part of that, and I don't think you could get it without that. So, yeah, line (laughs) cooks, I know what those are, uh, but I was thinking it was a pop culture reference and not just a description. Oh, well.
0: Yeah, you know, it's a very pop culture-heavy podcast, so I can understand why you would think that, but uh, not always. There you go. (laughs) Well, we have one question left. We're going to take a ride and cruise uh, into the wiggle room here, our numbers category. Uh, Only one question left So I know you're going to put three points on this That's all you can do Let's see what you can do with it Here is your three point wiggle room question According to a little work I did on Google Maps What is the approximate length Of the border between Florida And Georgia in miles
1: All right. So I do like maps And I do look at maps a lot
0: And you do get a 10% wiggle room In either direction so you do not have to be Spot on Right, 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 right.
1: So Florida's northern border is longer than Georgia's southern border. So it's the Georgia southern border that we're looking for, basically, because that will border Florida all the way across. 200 miles or so. Maybe it's a little longer. Let's try. This is one of those where I can visualize it. (laughs) <laughs> and you have to and I, you sort of know how long the whole United States is and you're trying trying to figure out what portion of that whole length from say Savannah to LA or San Diego that I'm looking at say 230 miles
0: okay 230 miles is your answer. Uh, so yeah, the Florida Panhandle goes across several states there, but uh, just the uh, easternmost part is what uh, hits Georgia there. Uh, the reason that Florida Georgia line is such a is a name of the band is because it's actually a very controversial thing throughout history. Georgia uh, said that the actual line was a line that was surveyed uh, coincidentally. Uh, and I did not know this until I looked up the uh, research for this, called the Watson Line. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Whereas uh, Florida said, no, no, it's much further north. It's what they called the McNeil Line. And so they took it to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, uh, in their uh, infinite wisdom of compromise, said, you know, there's this other line that's about halfway between the two called the Orr and Whitner Line. We're going to go with that one deal with it. And oh, that's great. the line that we use today. The Florida Georgia line is indeed the Oren Whitner line. It goes from the ocean all the way across to the edge of Georgia and goes up just a little bit higher, that little little loop there where it kicks in. All of that is to say nothing about how long it is.
1: <laughs> it's good, but it's good information.
0: Thank you. So uh, according to Google Maps, if you do that little thing where you can measure distance and click on it, click on it, click on it, click on it, click on it mm-hmm. Uh, Along the outline of the state, the line itself goes through the through water. uh, So it's about halfway between the water border. So it's not exact, but it's I said approximately 269.6 miles just outside. Just outside, yeah. 242.6 through 296.6 is your wiggle room. I might even have gotten given it to you if you had said 242, 241, but yeah. 230, just a little bit, little bit short. Uh you have a little bit more walking to do, sir.
1: That's all right. That is infinitely closer than i would have predicted i would have come on the wiggle room question
0: (laughs) very good very good well uh what wasn't very good is that round unfortunately oh for four uh you will not be rounding the bases any faster than david concepcion uh no points there but you know what you had 33 going into the round 33 is still a fantastic score as we head into the confidence question and it is your final chance to try and improve your final score. Only one question is before you. Only one answer is required. I will give you the category. You must, must wager between one and 10 points. Get it right. And I will happily, sir, add it to your score. But if you get it wrong, oh, oh, oh sir, not only will you lose those precious points, but I'm going to make sure your Welsh wife hears this and realizes you missed a Wales question for shame, for shame. <laughs> So, I ask you, sir, on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you in a category I am calling Born to Run? Well,
1: that really tells me nothing about what
0: the question's going to be about. It so... never does. Never does, sir. <laughs>
1: I don't get anything by leaving points on the table. So, let's just go with the 10.
0: Excellent. I love a 10 pointer on the confidence. I love it when the uh, competitor has 10 points with which to wager <laughs> on the confidence question. Uh, good luck, sir. Here is your 10-point confidence question in the category Born to Run. Lyndon LaRouche ran unsuccessful campaigns for president of the United States in every single election from 1976 through 2004. And he was back in 2016 as a PAC opened in his name, encouraged voters to write Lyndon LaRouche in on the presidential ballot. Alongside what man as his running mate? Which was a bit unusual since that man had been dead for quite some time.
1: Hmm. When did the LaRouche ran with a dead man as his running mate? When well, LaRouche's a perennial candidate, could it just be some other perennial candidate like a Harold Stassen? Or uh, could it be someone like... Eugene Debs, who also ran from prison? Or is it am I completely on the wrong track here? Let's see. I think LaBrouche was nominally a Democrat and Harold Stassen was a Republican. So let's say no to that. And let's just go with Eugene Debs. Alright,
0: Eugene Debs is your answer. It's a far more interesting answer than that, I am sorry to say, sir. Lyndon LaRouche never really gained any traction in this country. Uh, Pretty much a laughingstock kind of candidate who just ran and ran and ran and ran. And and it just became weird not to have him on the ballot. But uh, there are a lot of people who believe in his uh, philosophy, at least uh, enough to uh, wage a campaign. Uh, But by 2016, uh, no one, I would say, very few people really know who Lyndon LaRouche is anymore. So they wanted to generate some buzz. Uh, By nominating as vice president a man who historically, at least according to uh, the money people, encapsulated what Lyndon LaRouche stood for and was all about. A man whose life story had become a Tony award-winning musical. And yes, these people said in 2016, please vote for Lyndon LaRouche and Alexander Hamilton. Wow you know if you voted for him you're throwing away your shot to vote quite frankly
1: indeed indeed i mean (laughs) i actually now that you mentioned i don't even not sure that lyndon larouche was in fact eligible to be president but Alexander Hamilton is not a natural born U.S. citizen. He could not. He, he he could not have been president.
0: Alexander, well, you know what? You know, once for the Minnesota state governor's election, uh, someone wrote in uh, "lizard people." Lizard
1: people, yes, not a lizard person, but lizard people <laughs> collectively. All yeah, of the I believe.
0: People. I believe that led to at least nine hours of the uh, legal proceedings as to whether or not that vote should count. <laughs> I have to deduct those points, sadly, actually. Uh, I liked your answers a whole lot better. Made a lot more sense. Although, equally throwing away your votes, you threw away your points. But 23, a very fine score. Uh, I hope you are uh, happy with the results here. Uh, Is there anything that you would like to pimp, celebrate, shout out to, uh, whatnot, before I kick you out?
1: I don't have anything... Personally, to plug, so that means I get to do what I love to do, which is plug my spouse, uh, my wife Sarah hey, Wendell. Uh, I want to rephrase that? Yeah, let's uh, let's do that. I, roll, I I get I get to plug the work done by my beautiful wife, uh, Sarah Wendell, uh, who runs a website called Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and she also has a podcast called Smart Podcast Trashy Books. If you like romance fiction or just generally like smart women being funny. Uh, please check it out. She's a lot of fun, and uh, it's good work.
0: Excellent. I am definitely going to check that out. So, uh, Everyone out there, uh, feel free to check that out as well, as well as many of the other recommendations that I have made through the course of this podcast episode and uh, all episodes previously. Hopefully uh, one of them tickles your fancy. Uh, your fancy has been tickled enough, sir. Get out of my hot seat. <laughs>
1: All
0: right. Happy to have done it. Happy to be done. Thank you so much for being here. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Hope you guys out there in listener land had fun as well. Uh, We'll be back next week with another brand new episode. Until then, take care and bye-bye. Did you beat our guest or did our guest beat you? Tell us all about it on Twitter at BMGPod or email us bmgpod at gmail.com. Also, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you liked what you heard, spread the word. This is absolutely not been a Mark Goodson, Bill Todman production. Can I ever tell you when I was young, I always thought I was adopted? No, really? My parents never said anything, so one day I decided to just go up and ask. Good for you. The day I graduated from Buchanan, went right up to my father, had my diploma in my hand, I looked him straight in the eye, I said, Ling Chow. (laughs)